This is a Culture Inject production. Welcome back to Part of Us, an Invoke fan cast presented by the Invoke Craze. My name is Jonathan, and joining me for today's discussion are Joshua. What's up, what's up, what's up? Matan. Hello. And Champ. Hey, hey, hey. If you'd like to follow us online, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Invoke Craze. Stream our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else that you can stream podcasts. Ideas, any of you requests, comments, questions, email them to us at InvokeCraze at gmail.com. Also, rate and review our podcast and help us move up the charts and get seen by more people. Okay, so the name of the podcast is Part of Us. And if you're an Invoke fan, then you know part of me. If you're not an Invoke fan, Invoke has a song on their debut album called Part of Me. And some of the lyrics are rain, such a simple thing. Every drop, a different stop, but they all come from the same. And basically the name uh, is taken from that song because they're just such a part of us. We're a part of them. It's just one big circle. We love them. And that's where the name comes from. So let's get into the news because there's some news happening, friends. Um, So at the time of this particular recording, um, it has been announced that Invoke will be going on tour with Salt and Pepper. Uh, Salt and Pepper, Rick Astley, and uh, the new kids on the block um, for the mixtape tour 2022. Yay! How are we feeling? It's an interesting, it's an interesting lineup. Now, In Vogue and Salt Pepper, that does make sense. Uh, but it's it's a very interesting lineup. All I will say is this is whatever the budget is, In Vogue needs to get some new choreo for free your body. I am just saying, I'm just because I don't know how many times I can look at that same eight count. Okay. I strongly <laughs> disagree because I, th- I mean, I think that choreography is iconic from the video. It's just like like anyone wanting Janet Jackson to get new choreography. Like it, like there are certain moves you associate with the song. So if I see Free Your Mind and they're not waving their little hand to the side <laughs> and kicking out their feet, like it's not Free Your Mind to me. If Cindy ain't spinning, I don't want it. Okay. <laughs> but you can you can incorpor- you can still incorporate that and still add, add some new flair to it. I mean, Beyonce does it. I mean, she she'll go on tour and the crack will be entirely different. Or she'll add some stuff. She'll do like a whole little. Uh, uh, she'll add like instrumental for a new sixteen count. I'm like, just do something different because we've been seeing them perform Free Your Mind as a trio for a long, for more than a decade, and it is the same exact performance the entire time. I'm just saying, give us something new, give us something fresh, while also maintaining the iconic, you know, moves that you guys want. But, you know, I, I agree. hang it up flat screen, but... No, I totally agree with you. I think, well, one, I think the great thing about Free Your Mind, the video was them being so wild and kind of freestyling it and all the stuff, like the thing Terry did with her neck and Cindy doing all those kicks and all that stuff. So it wasn't like the actual choreography to me. And I think Janet 
Jackson had said that Mark Romantic doesn't really film choreography. Um, and so, like, in the video, like, I you don't see the whole routine and when they did it on SNL it was a little bit different so I feel like they could there you know keep certain elements but the ending to me I hate that they look so restricted and they're doing the same count like dun 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 and it's just like you know when they they're like pulling or something or whatever they're doing they, they pull one direction they pull in another direction it seems like they do that for like three minutes like they can like freestyle or something like rock out a little bit it is a rock song like don't look so constricted and like robotic and uniform so i i do agree like both of you guys like keep the iconic part portions and then like add something new maybe at the end or maybe in the middle yeah even that little dance break that dance break just extend it and add some new choreography yeah and i'm gonna shut up <laughs> i'll be quiet now bringing it back just one quick second to the tour I think that the tour is really cool and and I mean it's all in public it makes sense. I just wish we could get like the girl group tour, like add in like, you know, SWV, TLC, Escape, Brownstone. Like I am waiting for that all girl group, 90s girl group tour moment. I agree. I'll be honest, like so I have two thoughts about the tour. One is that I'm really happy that they're going to be playing arena size, like, mm-hmm. s- like spaces again. I think that's really like, like it's about time, like that they sort of get that moment again. But my second thought is that there is, I was going to try and be, I was going to I was going to try and be a little PC about this, but it's really not, there's no way around it. Like this, this is a new kids on the block tour. And then they got some guests, right? And this is a tour and a lot of folks have been kind of like, well, why are they doing this particular group of things? This is for a very white middle America (laughs) kind of like audience. This is not gonna like these are the folks looking for the greatest hits and nothing else. Okay, when I tell you that set list is going to be top tens only. Okay, so like it is not a fans fans show by any means. Um, we ain't gonna hear nothing. Well, to some of y'all, that'd be happy that y'all won't hear nothing off Electric Cafe, but um, (laughs) but you know, like it's not that kind of tour, so it's like kind of like bittersweet to me because I love that they're playing these. I love that they're going to have all these eyeballs on them and this sort of like level of, of visibility. I mean, shit, they were on the Kelly Clarkson show. Like it was like a big moment. Right. But then the flip of that is I feel like the hardcore fan base won't be necessarily like that's not their intended audience here. Like this is this is for the new kids fans who know for your mind and know the like, you know, the other the other hits. Well, that's how I'm going to go represent because I know I'm probably going to be the only black person in my row, but I'm going to have my shades on. I'm going to have an envelope t-shirt on. I'm going to be acting a fool when they come on. And then probably for most of the show, I'll be sitting down, you know, with my legs crossed, you know, looking at my phone. Um, I didn't even bother to ask anybody if they wanted to go because I know like nobody would want to pay to see new kids that I know. Um, but like you said, I'm happy for the exposure. I'm, I am excited because just the way the tour is, like I looked at one of the previous ones and it is like a mixtape so people are coming out at different um times of the show so it's not like you know rick astley and then vogue and some purpose then it's all new kids because then i could just leave but they like they're going to be going throughout the show so like in vogue might 
well, New Kids is gonna open, they're gonna start the show. I don't know who's next, but, and then there's also collaborations throughout the show. So In Vogue might do Free Your Mind, and then Salt and Pepper comes on and do something, and then Rick Astley, then New Kids, and you know, and Vogue might do some kind of collaboration with uh, New Kids on one of their songs. So, I mean, it's exciting because I don't know what's gonna happen. And with a lot of In Vogue shows, you kind of know pretty much what you're getting. So that is the silver lining to me. And there's a budget. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll put it out there since this is 2022. Maybe, you know, once our the podcast pops off, they'll want to give us tickets so that we can report about it and, <laughs> and okay. give a, a, a first-hand experience. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> We're manifesting these things. I mean, but like, I don't know. I just also, can we talk about how we talked about Cindy last episode, but Cindy looked can I cuss on this thing? Cindy looked, they looked great on Kelly Clarkson. They looked they like, did. I love when they give us a different look. And cause we know the tour outfits. We know them, them, them <laughs> we know the tour outfits. And I was just really excited to see that they are giving, that they were giving something fresh and, and that they were getting like some daytime television love. So, um, so yeah. They looked really good. But I just always say Cindy because she's like four children. She's six. She was 60 at the time. Well, I think she was 60 at the time of 50. If not 59 still, like, I just, it's almost unreal to me. Yeah, I mean, let me just say this because as far as work and stuff, like, a lot of people get work done and it's, I mean, and it's not helping. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Uh, say their names, Matan. Say their names. Madonna. Like I'm calling you out, Madonna. Say the name. Madonna. Um, Cardi B. Okay, moving on to our other trending topics. We have to discuss the Shandellas. They are one of the latest groups in the girl group hemisphere right now, and they just dropped their uh, brand new album. Um, I think, Champ, you're a big fan of the Shandellas, right? Oh, I love the Shandellas. Like, they are amazing. Their whole sound is like, I you get the Pointer Sisters, you get in Vogue, you get the Clark Sisters. Like, it's just like this whole salad bowl of different sounds. Like, they're, it, the foundation of it is kind of the 60s pop, but with a modern take. Claw Kelly is one of the, is one of the people who, um, uh, created the group and we talked about him on the, on the first episode wanting him wishing that he would produce more in Vogue stuff so I feel like this sound is so great all three women are amazing Stacy, Casey and Tam their album is called Hit That Stick Like Grits they say that they are inspired by in Vogue so it would be really cool if we could interview them on these podcasts and kind of gab with more with more in Vogue fans that would be really cool but yeah, I love a girl awesome. group. I love a girl group. Now, uh, it, it, it's rumored that it's rumored that these three are being looked at uh, to be three of the five muses in the New Hercules live action film. Oh no, it's I'm going to have to put a stop to that. Beyonce is a huge fan of the Shandellas. She said that in one of her in her most recent interview that she is inspired by that by their album and their music. So I wouldn't be surprised if she would use her Disney power to get them in, to get them an audition the same way she got Chloe. Chloe, I mean God, the same way she got Hallie for Little Mermaid. I'm just saying, 
I said, all I know is Jennifer Hudson is going to be the head you. She wants to she be. Won't. She I'm going to start putting roots on all those people. She won't. There's no option. I'm sorry, y'all. The muses will absolutely, unfortunately, even though I think vocally the Shindellas, in, I love them too. I saw them live a couple years ago and like the record is great, but live is a whole different kind of experience. They're so good. Um, but the muses are about to be all names. They're about to be like name names. And even though we even we we, we may or may not, it, whether it should be, whether it should be or not, like whether it should be or not is one thing but like it will end up because it's like a it's a group and like they're gonna want people right. who are not who we love but not used to sing together as a group so you could be like ooh Jennifer ooh such and such ooh whatever like they're gonna put I mean, they're gonna put a now, group of people now, together now I, would, I wouldn't mind that like cause I, I, I have my list Jennifer Hudson is not on it but I have my list of, of five women um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind that it being like five women who we don't see together I would like that I'm just saying Shandellas are good contenders to at least be considered if they don't get it I'm okay with that but they're good contenders because them girls be saying it uh, but I mean Hallie is Little Mermaid why not put Chloe as one of the music because I feel like she would go well but that's just do they have a sexy muse that does too much? Or, I mean, she, could, she could definitely take that spot. We need to move on. I should not have sipped my gin before this recording. I can't take I can't take it. I, I can't take it. Anyways. My time. Okay. Did anybody see the uh, interview magazine did with, I think the lady's name was Sharon Smith. Uh, yes. discussing okay so she was discussing contrast yes. with Tommy and Denny auditioning for In Vogue and whether she would do anything differently and what she has coming up what did you think Jay? Um, I thought it was a really nice um, interview you know the thing I love about Maxine like she is she, I think she really tries to not go low you know what I'm saying like I think she likes to keep it classy with how with who she decides to interview with and what she decides to say um, and she I loved how she despite everything that has happened with in Vogue she spoke very highly of the ladies especially Cindy I was really I was surprised to learn that she said she even looked up to Cindy before they got into the group because Cindy was so popular in the Bay Area and she had done you know television and film and some other things so I thought that was really interesting and I also thought it was interesting how um, she said that she would sign the same contract again if she could do it over which is really interesting because there's been so much talk about how screwed up their contract was and and you know how it caused such a, a shift in the group but she said she would do it again but she would do some other things differently it was interesting saying she wish she would have kept braiding there's just no way you could be a pop star and braid hair no but she said she but i think it, it speaks a lot to the fact that the mindset was so different now because you see a lot of artists today who all they think about is how can i take this bag and turn it into something else and be an entrepreneur you know what i'm saying and so she said she wished that she had maybe train some other people under her and open the salon you know what i'm saying which would be the way to do it and it's like damn i wish she had did that too so she could have had something to grow you know beyond the invoke legacy 
and it was interesting her saying she wished she would have prepped for a solo she would have been thinking about prepping for a solo career because i think she out of all of them uh out of the original members she didn't really i don't remember her acting in anything separate from the group or having any collaborations or releasing any you know music you know um of course I'm talking about the 90s, not now, because now she is solo. But I wish she would have thought that way, too. I would have loved to see what she could have done, you know, in that era. It was was kind of unfortunate to hear, like, how she said everything that she was doing had to be focused on the group. Like, she didn't, she couldn't have any side thing. And I think that it's so interesting because today, every single pop star has, like, several side hustles that get to, you know, to get to that bag. So I'm like, I think it would, I think, and I think now it's so cool that she has found, uh, you know, a lane that she can dom- that she can dominate, you know, with her, uh, with Star Max Content Studios. I believe I'm saying the name right, you know, hey. where, you know, you can go and you can, you know, rent out their space and make videos, make content. That's such a great idea. And especially her being, being who she is in the Bay Area, like that, kind of keeps her star alive because she is pretty much pouring into up and coming artists and, and maybe even like established regional arts in that way. So I think it's, I think it's really cool, you know, that she has found, you know, a, a new lane, you know, cause maybe, you know, uh, a, a reunion with Envo maybe not be possible. Maybe her solo career may not be what she wants it to be, but at least she has like a business you know, entrepreneurial avenue that she can, you know, Sprout in. I think that's awesome. I, I want Max to thrive. Like, even if it's not in front of the camera, I hope that whatever she does, she's able to thrive and have success. Um, she deserves that. Yes. She has a lot to give. She has a lot to give. I agree. I want to hear more. One reason I really want to interview Max is because I want to hear more about the prepping for a solo. I feel like there is so much more there that she maybe wanted to say or didn't say. I know she said she's writing a book, but I would just yes. love to kind of hear more about the solo process. And because we know Terry did her solo album and we know Dawn was working with the solo album um, through um, Atlantic at the time as well um, before she ended up leaving. Um so I, I just wonder why she never got that opportunity. And I, I just have a lot of questions to see what was going on and, and what were her thoughts during that time. We need to be the ones to interview her because Sharon, I think that's the lady's name, like anyone asking how Vogue formed in 2021? Stop. We're sick of it. We know. I'm going I'm to say this and I'm going to let, you know, we, we can move on. But... It, every time I watch an interview, like if it was with Maxine, if it's with Dawn, it's the same questions. I'm like, if y'all are really fans, <laughs> and the people, and the people, and, and the 300 people watching your YouTube video, um, they are obviously fans of who you're interviewing. So it's like, we know all this, baby. Find new questions. Find yes. new questions. I know how they formed. I was. I was there, baby, at this point. I was there. <laughs> it's always like this, though. So, so you guys met at an audition? Ah, what? <laughs> oh, my right. God. You didn't know each other at all. Okay. Are you serious? Oh, um, who, who formed you guys? Oh, oh, yeah, of course. Stop it, baby. Stop it. Please. Please. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So let's get into this week's messy episode. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
Dawn, the young, sexy, spunky member of Invoke. Feisty. Young and feisty. That's how I describe Dawn. She keeps us young. Definitely. I mean, it's like on one hand, she's really caring and loving of me. When we're signing autographs and we're late for a plane, she'll stand there and almost miss the plane because she's writing a book, you know. On the other hand, you don't want to get on the bad side either because she's real spunky, you know. She'll let you have it. I bring kind of like the hip-hop feel to the group. Um, I guess it's because I'm the youngest one and I'm kind of like, you know, I keep up with what's going on as far as the public is concerned. And yeah, kind of, you know, I let them know what's the latest as far as dances and clothes and all that stuff. And sometimes they don't like it because I seem so, I guess, immature. But then again, it's like, it helps, you know, it kind of brings everybody together. Born in New London, Connecticut, during her childhood, she sang in the AME Zion Church Choir in Connecticut. Shortly after that, Robinson began recording music in the studio, traveling from New London to Massachusetts. In 1980, Robinson, um, age 13, relocated to California, where she lived with an older cousin. Uh, Robin's mother and sister later joined her in California, settling in Oakland in 1981. Before becoming a member of En Vogue, Dawn recorded a solo album that didn't get released until a few years ago. It was produced by Daryl Clifton and recorded when Dawn was a teenager. The album, Before the Dawn, that's the letter B and the number four, uh, is available for purchase on iTunes and can be found on YouTube. But let's be very clear, Dawn doesn't necessarily acknowledge this album. Um, she doesn't receive any royalties from it, so she'd prefer that no one purchase it. In 2005, Dawn reunited with In Vogue and joined Salt and Peppa for the girl group's first joint public appearance of their 1994 hit, What a Man, at VH1's Hip Hop Honors. After disagreeing on business terms, Robinson again chose to leave In Vogue and Rona stepped in. As a result, In Vogue was let go from the firm management. In 2008, Robinson reunited with In Vogue and performed at the 2008 VET Awards with Alicia Keys, SWV, and TLC. In 2009, Robinson joined In Vogue for the 20th anniversary tour. In 2010, all four members appeared on the cover of Jet Magazine to promote their reunion tour. Following the reunion tour, Robinson decided not to record on the new In Vogue album due in the fall of 2011 after failing to reach an in October 2012, Don and Maxine appeared on Access Hollywood to announce forming a new girl group named Heirs to the, the Throne. Heirs to the Throne didn't last long, and the following years, Robinson and Jones parted ways. But they would team up again several years later for an even shorter stint as the Funky Divas. In 2013, Don joined the cast of R&B Divas L.A., now, I don't know if you all have seen Army Divas LA, but it is, <laughs> it is must see TV. Uh, of course, 100%. Uh, and she turned down the invitation to join the second season, but baby, the first season was more than enough. In November 2014, Dawn appeared on TMZ Live, threatening to sue Lifetime if it didn't change its marketing of an Invoke Christmas, a movie consisting of two original Invoke members, Cindy Heron and Terry Ellis, and Rona Bennett. No word if she actually filed suit. 
Um, in October 2019, Dawn reunited with Invogue for an onstage performance to recognize music industry executive Sylvia Roan at the City of Hope Gala 2019. Rather than joining in vogue for the group's 30th anniversary, uh, Robinson and Maxine Jones began touring as the Funky Divas. Okay, we done got through the history of things, an abbreviated history of the things. So let's talk about some of these moments, these milestones. Let's go first into the split, Dawn's departure and uh, the subsequent pro- uh, projects. So in 1997, uh, Dawn departed in Vogue. Uh, the reasons given were varying, and um, we'll dive into those a little bit. Uh, before leaving, she contributed vocals to in Vogue's 1997 album, EV3 originally titled Friendship, and performed with the group in 1996 in Game 5 of the 1996 World Series in Atlanta, and again in March 1997 at the 11th Annual Soul Train Music Awards, where Invoke opened the show, performing Don't Let Go, Love. Reasons given by Don for leaving Invoke throughout the years. Sylvia Rome, not the members of Invoke, gave her an ultimatum to commit 100% to promoting EV3 and to put her solo album on the back burner. The group members were not being paid what a group of their caliber should be. Where to begin? Where to begin? <laughs> Look, this entire I'm gonna go back and talk messy. about RD Divas, but okay. This is just mess. This is we will, but this is just messy because never I'm, uh, go ahead with hand. <laughs> Okay, well, I will say I remember being in my living room when the MTV News came on. I forget the anchor. I don't remember if it was Tabitha or if it was Kurt Lode or if it was um Abby. I forget who it was, but I remember dun, 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 MTV News. <laughs> Don Robinson is leaving in Vogue. And I just remember at the time, I was probably, tw- I went, well, if it was 1997, I was 11 going on 12. And I just remember thinking, okay, I'm just going to support the group and I'll support Don. I never knew the word amica before until they broke up because the story was it was an amicable breakup. And that's how I remember learning that word, what amicable meant. And, you know, I just had it in my mind that, okay, um, Donna's gone. It, it was sad. I didn't definitely didn't want her to be, but I was going to keep on with the group. And then I remember reading this Vibe. Vibe magazine was always very messy and kind of catty with In Vogue. I remember reading that article and they're basically like, In Vogue is done. <laughs> um, they didn't have the cover, but I remember it was like this photo shoot that Dave LaChapelle did and it was just like I think it was kind of by design like there was no pictures of them together it was like a picture of Cindy and like these lions jumping out of a window out of it was just really it was really a weird photo shoot and I was just like okay they're basically trying to railroad in vogue and they're gonna you know try to basically end them because Don left that's how it looked to me as far as her leaving though the girls always maintained that there was a two-year commitment and she didn't want to make it. And I think it does boil down to that. That's just the, the, the gist of it. Now, the reasons, you know, through the years, it seems like the reasons have kind of evolved. And to me, in the last year when Don was doing all of those interviews, it, in my opinion, her reason, it wasn't the money, it was her solo career, this issue she had with Sylvia Rohn. That's the way I look at it. I mean, I feel like if you have a solo project that is supposed to come out, for me, it would make sense to promote EV3 because that is more press that you can use 
for your solo project because one, we know you as Donna and Vogue. We don't know you as Don Robinson, the solo artist. So who's to say that we're going to buy into what you're selling? So why not promote EV3, you know, and allow that to lead you to this project? But I mean, I mean, that, that's just how I look at it. Um, I honestly, every time the reason why she le- she left is explained, I feel like I'd be like, girl, that's it. Like the older I get, I'm like, that's why you left, girl. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's like, that's what I feel. I'll just say, I'll just say, I I agree. I just feel like. Um, and maybe because we've seen so many times since then how uh, girl groups and groups in general have managed and maneuvered, like staying together, doing solo things, coming back, et cetera, et cetera. It just sort of like it saddens me a little bit to realize how it could have played out differently and everybody could have still got what they wanted in the end. And so um, that I think is the most sort of like. Because that reason, like you said, like that reason now feels more like, well, what? <laughs> that was the reason because like it just doesn't seem like that should be the a reason that there's not reason enough these days. But I think back then, perhaps she felt strongly enough. But, you know, I just I don't believe Sylvia is the only reason I don't I've never thought that that was the only reason. I don't agree. I don't agree that it is either. <laughs> it's a very small reason compared to. Other other reasons why popular girl groups have broken up. I mean, I mean, Don punched Aubrey in the head. <laughs> so, Richard, not Robinson. <laughs> I mean, right? Yes. Let's Richard, be clear. The 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 other Don. Uh, but you know, I'm like, and that's just my take. I mean, I don't want to invalidate what, however, Don feels. She needs to maintain her dignity and her respect as a woman, as an artist. So I respect that. Just like me on the outside looking in, I feel like everything can be salvageable. It's just, it seems like it is a pride issue on all sides, not just hers. But I feel like it's a pride issue, an ego issue on all sides. Um, when I feel like, I always say, if you, if you, I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, girl groups, they always seem to have issues around that third album. Always. It's, it's very interesting when I say, it's like around like the, the ending of the second album, leading into the third album, it's, like, it's always an issue. When I'm like, if y'all can just get to the third album. That's so interesting. That's any, so true. Anything that, yeah, anything that comes after that, I feel like can be yours. Because I feel like when, when your first album is great, you know, you could be a one-hit wonder. Second album, if it does well as well, it's like, oh, wow, we like them. But when your third album it hits as just as hard, if not harder, now they're like, oh, they're going to last. So I feel like once that third album hits and it does well, now y'all can, can conquer the world. Because In Vogue was doing so much. And so I'm like, if y'all just got to that third album as a foursome, who, who, who can say what they'll be doing right now? You know, but yeah, it's it's. I guess it's not the girl group curse to never get to the third album. It happened with 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 uh, TLC, TLC, it happened with TLC, it happened with Fifth Harmony, Spice Girls, you know, all of them. Spice Girls. I mean, Little Mix. They they got they got like six seven albums before uh, Homegirl left. 
But I think I think I think it's about like new levels, new devils. Most of the time, like your sophomore out your sophomore album is always like the make or break project. And so then if that sophomore album becomes really huge, you gotta think like you're opening up to new audiences, there's more money, there's more at stake. And I think it's it's really easy to get along with someone when you're broke and when you're starting from the trenches. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all at an even playing field. You know, we're all at the bottom. But now once that popularity and that fame and that money starts to hit or it doesn't hit the way it's supposed to, um, I think it, it gets really <laughs> it gets hard for those groups to to stay together. But what's interesting about Dawn is that. I mean, I've heard so many different stories and inclinations of, you know, why she left and what that was about. And there was a secret meeting that they, that she came in on, you know, late and she was given an ultimatum, ultimatum and all of that. But what she has always said that has remained consistent is that she's always said that she agreed to give them the time that they needed for EV3. So I think that she, she would have been willing to do the album, but she still wanted to go into her solo thing. In my opinion, Sylvia Rome did not want Don Robinson to go solo because I think she saw the potential that Don had. And at that point, she had already signed and agreed to, to work with another label on the solo album. And I just don't think that's something that Sylvia wanted and to have success for someone else, even if she is still going to be a part of the group on this label. And so I personally believe everything that Donna said about Sylvia. And I do believe that they really tried to malign her character mm-hmm. and, you know, put out stories about her when she left the group, that she was difficult and she was a diva and all of those things. Now, some of those things, some of those things may have proven themselves to be true along the way, <laughs> but <laughs> they have to say all that because she ain't more her fault. I, I, I think it's, it, I don't like how when when a woman, specifically a black woman, and, and she is a, is assertive, she's labeled difficult. You know what I mean? It's kind now, of are we like, talking about Sylvia or Dawn? Dawn. Because they're all black women. Now, I'm, I'm talking about Dawn specifically. I'm, I mean, like, like black female artists. You know, Sylvia Ron is more on the executive side. But Dawn, as, like, an artist like her, like, let's say, oh, Dawn, we want you to, to dye your hair red. She's like, I'm dyeing my hair out. I look horrible. You can say, oh, she's being difficult. I mean, no, baby. I just don't look good in red hair. <laughs> like, is, is that okay with you? You know, like, I don't like that whole, that whole framing of it because I guess it, 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 it absolves them of any accountability and makes Dawn look like the villain. You well, know? I'm going to have to take up for Sylvia Rowan now because I see it totally differently. Like, speaking of black women, I that's think like fine, she's probably... I'm not a fan of Sylvia. I'm a fan of Involve. Right, 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 right. But that's fine. No, I, but I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I am a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan of both because she's probably like the only black woman executive who's been an executive in the industry for like decades and is successful. And, you know, maybe people didn't take her seriously, but what Don has said, and this is specifically what Don has said. I haven't heard anyone else say this, but Don said... Terry went in to do a solo album. 
Don was having issues paying her mortgage because I guess that's like the reoccurring motif in her life. Like she was having issues paying her mortgage. And so Sylvia stepped in um, and was like, okay, well, I have $250,000. You know, you go in the studio, cut an album. I don't know how all of this snowball from that. Like she's trying to, like to me, based on what you said, she was trying to help you out. She gave you $250,000 because you said you were struggling. She gave you $250,000. And of course, like in Vogue is more important than your solo career. You haven't done anything like you weren't out trying to do collabos. You said your friend was with the brat. Do a collab with the brat. Like get your name out there. Like you are not a solo act yet. She even said herself she was not ready to do a solo album, but she was having financial issues. And so somebody gives you $250,000. So then you have that advance. You can, you know, take care of whatever you need to. But then she was like, but I outsmarted her because I gave away my, my solo, uh, my solo rights. Um, um, she signed those away. So I got to get a solo album elsewhere. That is going to, of course, cause a conflict. And so you recorded this album. Like, I'll record the album, but I don't want to promote it. Like, what were the other girls supposed to do? Be like, oh, that's fine. Like, yeah, we're going to record this album, but Donna's going to record it. I'm, I don't even know. Did she even try to negotiate? Like, okay, I don't want to promote it for two years. Maybe I'll promote it for one year. Like, I just don't get her point. Like, it just seems like to me she was being difficult, thinking that she was going to have this huge career in Envire Magazine. She thought she was going to be on the level of Janet and Madonna. And I mean, she would be happy to be in love of Belinda Carlisle or somebody because it just didn't happen for you. But you made you you did to me. She did it to herself. She did it to herself. And this is based on what she has said. But you know what? I think that I agree to to a certain extent. But I've always heard Don say that she was willing to to promote the album. But the thing of it is, though, I think Don at that time it seems like she was trying to she was trying to figure out how she could get ahead or how she could do something in her favor, which is what artists today all do. They figure out how can I negotiate or how can I be smart and put myself in the best position? Because at the end of the day, the labels don't care about you. They're going to get what they can get from you. The labels are looking out for themselves and how they can profit the most. And so Dawn was trying to figure out, it seems like she was trying to figure out what's going to be the best path for me in the long run. And you think signing with another label, like, I mean, I mean, some people might say that's a conflict of interest and maybe, I don't know if that's the legal term, but she got out of her solo rights. The interesting thing was in the interview, she said that when Terry did her solo album, she said she might have, Terry might have renegotiated her royalties with Invoke. So instead of saying, well, you know what, release me from my solo rights, if money was such an issue... Why wouldn't you say, okay, you know what, Sylvia? Well, the only reason I really want to do a solo album, I'm not ready, according to Don. You know, maybe if I got paid a dollar an album or something like negotiate. She looked like she was trying to make it a zero sum game and then she ended up losing. I think she maybe just needed to communicate. I don't know what happened to the meeting. Like she doesn't even talk about the two year commitment when she did all of those Instagram lives. She never said, okay, they wanted me to sign a contract for two years. That's just known, but she never admitted it. She was just like, they want me out of the group. So if someone wants you out of a group, why are they trying to make you sign a two year deal to stay and promote the album? I think Sylvia was trying to uh, protect her investment. And Sylvia, like, I didn't know Sylvia brought Don't Let Go. So people going in on Sylvia all the time, like she gave, she brought them their biggest hit. I feel like maybe there is kind of like internalized misogyny in a sense where you have this woman in this leadership position. And it's like, well, you know, Sylvia around, like, I don't have to listen to her like Denny and Tommy. It's Denny and Tommy or some man. But you have this black woman who actually has all this power in the, in, in your particular label. 
And it, to me, it just seems like they just like she was almost like a joke to them in a sense. I don't know, but that's what I kind of get like, okay, it's Tommy and Denny at the top. And then Sylvia, even though she has all the money, if she drops us, there's nowhere we could go. Still, it's Tommy and Denny. And then Don is. I don't even know what she was thinking, Dr. Dre. And then was she even signed to Dr. Dre? She doesn't even say she was signed to the man. She's like, I wanted to sign with Aftermath, but I really wanted to sign with Interscope. So what happened? I don't know. I'm just sort of like I'm processing sort of at the same time because my opinion keeps changing because y'all are all saying things that make me like now like you're framing it in ways where I'm like hmm, I never thought about it that particular kind of way. So like I don't know. I just feel like I also think there's something to be said about how a lot was contingent on the success of Terry's album and um, how when that didn't happen. It, it it could it could have changed the trajectory to be quite honest if that project had been successful i feel like we would be having a different conversation and perhaps there might have been some other i it just i just wish that like to the point that dawn was not ready i wish that there had been a bit of a middle like a middle ground to be reached around like well maybe we just hop you on some, like pop you on some features or something to like sort of at least sort of like like make you a little happy with some freedom and some like coins but also the primary thing is still this 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 third album that we then afterwards maybe we can explore something that feels like fuller and so it just feels like so much in hindsight was contingent on one member's solo album being successful that it then sort of like derailed things but i also really and i think the point around sylvia being like it gets really interesting when you think about the dynamic of an executive being a black woman man, like, like doing business with a group of black women and sort of the, 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 the particulars and the nuances of how that could be great when it's successful and a hot ass mess <laughs> uh, at the same time. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, if you think about it also from a financial standpoint, because again, that they're getting two pennies per album, they don't have any money for real. And so Terry's on her solo album. So of course she gets an advance or something, you know, upfront to do that. And I just wonder kind of like, what were the other girls thinking? Like what were Max and Dawn thinking? Cause I think Cindy was married around that time. Cause wasn't she pregnant? Yeah. Max was married too. Maxine was married. Maxine got married and divorced very quickly. She had her daughter I knew she had a daughter. I did. I just thought she was, you know, a single mother. I never knew she was married. Uh, she got married and divorced, like, like very quickly. Oh, interesting. But yeah, so I mean, I'm sure finances finances were a, you know, a recurring issue for those ladies. But back to your point about signing with Dr. Dre, like, I think that is genius. I think I think signing to Dr. Dre, who people now herald as being this icon, this genius, this billionaire, like thinking about or wanting to sign with him or collaborating with him at that time, to me, it just shows great foresight. It shows that Dawn has always been, you know, has seen a bigger picture, whether or not she could actually facilitate it and make it happen. That's questionable. But I think I, I think thinking about him and aftermath and seeing what he did with Eminem and kind of seeing where that went, I think that was like the right path to go down. And the last interview that I um, listened to before Don blocked me um, <laughs> was I remember her saying like she said 
their relationship with Dre dissolved because he just couldn't devote the time to an R&B act because he had so many hip hop acts. And I've heard that from a lot of like R&B singers who were signed to, you know, or trying to work with um, hip hop producers at that time. Like they often got on the back burner. So rather than just sitting on the shelf for several years, that's when she ended up, you know, going to do Lucy Pearl. Now, so my question to you guys is, do you think that her leaving the group had a negative impact on In Vogue? And what are your thoughts on the EV3 era in general? Absolutely had a negative impact on the group. I mean, they all sang lead, you know, and they're all talented singers, but no one can tell me, no one that was like outside at that time can tell me that Dawn Robinson was not that girl. Like she, she had something that the other girls just did not have in terms of, I think she had what the industry was moving towards, which was a more urban hip hop type of thing about her. And I think that's what made, that's what put her in a nice position, you know, going into 97, 98, 99. So yeah, I think, I think her leaving definitely impacted the group as a whole. I agree. I think so too, just because when it comes to girl groups, when you are introduced to multiple personalities and this one whole entity, like you just get comfortable with them. So then when one person's not there, it's kind of like, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. You know what I mean? Granted, I, I actually love the EP3 era. Whatever is one of my favorite in both songs. Um, the album as a whole, I mean, is not my favorite. Um, but I thought that the way they came out with that single, I was like, oh, this is good. And even with the Two Gone Too Long ballad, I thought was really, really, really great, a great sound for them as well. But of course, they couldn't get out of the shadow of this very tumultuous breakup that the media was trying to paint. You know, of course, it's like when drama happens, that's what people are going to going to flock to. So it's like, yeah, you got a good song, but what happened to Dawn? You know, yes, y'all look great, but what happened to Dawn? You know that it, it you can never get out of that. I wholeheartedly believe cause I'm, I I love the EV3 album a lot. Um, I do too. It's it's very high on my list, um, <laughs> and. I wholeheartedly believe that that album would have been tenfold more successful had Dawn just like they didn't, they could have done nothing differently. Music video treatments, song selections, single selections. I think they could have done everything the same. And if Dawn had been there, it would have popped even harder. Um, yes. Which I think says Agreed. a lot about which I think says a lot about like Dawn's contribution to the group. Um but I mean, they were doing. I mean, we were we got Diane Warren ballads like or, like we were on a different. It was a the, the stakes were so much higher. I mean, and plus the aesthetics of the EV3 album are just like still to this day some of my favorite like Timeless. visuals. That album cover, the like the photo shoots, the whatever video. Yes. So and I know we're not supposed to go super super deep because we're gonna go do that on another episode, but like. If Dawn had been there, she would have been even more primed for the next thing. A hundred percent, yes. Because that whatever video to me is—it's very—it's timeless to me. Like it—it can come out now and still 
be a little current. Yeah, EP3 as a whole is disjointed for me. Like, I just, and to me, in my mind, I think even if Don had stayed, if that was the material, I just think that Invogue would have been on a decline either way, honestly. Like, as, oh. as, as much as I would have loved for her to have been there, like, if that is what we are working with, I don't know. Unless, I mean, because according to Ivan, um, is it Mateus? Mateus, yeah, but according to him, like, I believe damn i want to be your lover was originally supposed to be the lead single after don't let go and then when don left they had to recalibrate some things so maybe i could maybe it could have gone a little differently that way i don't know but as a whole it's it's just not one of my favorite bodies of work i just think that perhaps like that that would be okay though right like because that then gives a scapegoat for them to take a moment for themselves like i don't know i just think that that would have been like even with the moderate success as a foursome i think they could have said okay that's a cue let's go do our own thing and then we can come back eventually like it's very like destiny's child <laughs> like i just think that could have that could have worked better in their favor and i think it just like it was kind of doomed from jump because you know don leaving just sort of like it like like champ said like it just sort of swallowed the 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 oxygen out of the out of the whole project to me i wouldn't even be surprised if they if they changed a lot, like you said earlier, like changed a lot of the album because she's gone, because it, because industry was moving into this, this like urban hip hop type of sound, but Maxine, Cindy, and Terry don't necessarily have didn't necessarily have that sound at that time. Like they were more, it was more soulful, you know, it, I, in that regard, at least in my opinion. But I feel like that's what Dawn added to the group. She was like that avenue. You know, she was at Avenue, kind of like how what Diana Ross was to the Supremes. Like she just had like a, a, a mainstream kind of blank canvas of a voice that is kind of like, let's put her here, let's put her here, let's put her here. You know, when you just sound great in that regard. Um, so I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if they had a lot of songs that Don was on that didn't make the album because she was on them. You know, she was leading them, and perhaps the other ladies didn't just give the same vibe to it. I mean, just, just knowing the politics of how the music world works and how albums are made, I'm sure there were a lot of behind the scenes that we would never know about, but I can guarantee that part of the reason why the EP3 album is not as good to some is because of that. Matan, I think you were going to say something. I was just going to say, I think they were chasing the success of Don't Let Go because that come, it can't come out on the Set It Off soundtrack in like, no, what, the fall of 1996, maybe November. And maybe they shouldn't have done that. I think they should have took, taken more time with the album. And I mean, the one song that I'm like, really, if I could just eliminate it from the record would be, does anybody hear me? Because that should have been like something up tempo to close the album. And it was just like, you already had the kind of, you know, Kumbaya song with Eyes of a Child, which I do like. But I tell that to say, like Invoke had been on hiatus for a while. They're, you know, of course older. I mean, duh. Um, you have two women that are mothers, one who's married, one who's divorced. They're just in a totally different space. And I think Cindy, even during EV3, she had her or she became pregnant with her second child around maybe when uh, the two gone too long promotion. So they're just in a totally different mental space. I wish maybe they could have taken more time with um releasing a record and not chasing that success because the biggest song on the record was released months before the album came out. And I don't think any of the songs could really match. Don't let go. 
um, that's just the best song on the record. I'm not saying that because it's the big hit. It just was. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Don to me, you know, she, I, I would just have to say, and I'm not hating or trying to be mean, but she was always my third favorite and a distant third. I, I've always been a Cindy and Terry person. I feel like the hip hop song, Cindy just has the voice for that. Even when, um, Dre had that song zoom that she did. Like it was referencing hold on. Like, I feel like Cindy, could do the hip hop beats. Dawn to me was more so the sultry one, but I think people are always looking for an, an Achilles heel. And so their in Vogue's was Don not being there. And I think people took that as their weakness and just attacked them. There's other poor structural issues, but I just feel like, you know, people are looking for you to fall and fail. And when Don left, it was like, okay, let's get them. And they did. They, you know, it, it was a sad sight to see. After leaving Invoke in 1997, uh, Dawn announced that she had signed with Dr. Dre's label, Aftermath. In autumn of the same year, Dawn appeared on the single, Firm Biz, which was the first and only collaborative project by hip-hop supergroup The Firm, an Aftermath group, an aftermath group uh, composed of Nas, AZ, Foxy Brown, among others. Despite the hi- uh, highly anticipated album featuring production and cameo appearances by Dr. Dre himself, debuting atop uh, Billboard's Top 200 Albums chart and being certified platinum, it sold below commercial expectation. The group subsequently disbanded and before years end, Dawn left the label claiming that Dr. Dre had been too slow to get the ball rolling on her project. She also recorded an unreleased track with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg called Zoom, which listeners can hear on our YouTube channel. I just have to say, I remember when I, like Dawn was always my favorite and I remember when that Firm Biz video came out, I was so excited and happy like like she did, I was like, she did it. She moved on. She, she's like in a video. She's looking good. Like that was a nice moment. I just remember thinking it was tired. I was like, you left in Vogue to sing a hook. Okay. All the girls are singing hooks these days. Okay. She's a trendsetter. That's what they do. It was a good, it was a good look for her. It wasn't a Martha Wash moment. I guess Martha Wash sings the whole song though. <laughs> I have to say again, though, you have to think about the success that Dr. Dr. Dre has had, especially like right after that with Eminem being like probably one of the biggest selling um, rappers of all time. Like maybe if she had held on a little bit longer and <laughs> she had held on a little bit longer to her love, she could have uh, made something shake over there aftermath. But but then we wouldn't have Lucy Pearl. So here we go. We barely had Lucy Pearl. <laughs> in 1999, Don, Raphael Sadiq, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad teamed up to create a supergroup by the name of Lucy Pearl. In May 2000, the group released its self-titled album, which later went on to be certified gold. In October 2000, Don left the group and was replaced by Joy. Around the same time that Invogue released Masterpiece Theater, the Lucy Pearl record was released. It was actually released the same day. I vividly remember that because when I looked at the Billboard charts, I guess the week after, and I saw Invogue was all the way at the bottom, past Lucy Pearl, past Eminem, who was number one. <sighs> that was just a sad day. It was in May May of 2000. What did you think of Lucy Pearl? Did you, did you buy the, the album? I bought the album years and years and years later, like after the fact. But during the time when Dance Tonight came out, I remember when Dance Tonight came out, I thought, Don has done it again. 
I just remember thinking like, yes, she is back. She's on the radio. I was excited. You know, my excitement did not last for long, but the dance tonight <laughs> was the jam. Like that was the song. I was in high school. Loving basketball. Yeah, loving basketball. Grammy nominated. Like I was ho- I was very hopeful that that would become something significant. And it had all the potential. The funny thing is Lucy Pearl still has the potential to be, to do something now in the urban adult contemporary, you know, neo soul space. Like it is the perfect concept group. They just, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what that is about, but. I love unisex groups, especially like urban. I love unisex groups. I think it's so cool. And I thought Lucy Pearl was a whole vibe. That's when I came out watching VH1 Soul videos. Like every time that that came on, and it was like that um, the the slow motion basketball where I'm kind of like, is it going to go in? Hurry up so the beat can drop. Like that was a whole vibe, and I love Don's verse. But I really became a huge fan when Don't Mess with My Man came out. Because I thought it was so cool that they gave Dawn her own moment. Not a verse, not a hook, but she literally had her, her own song. She had her own song, and I thought that it captured her voice and her vibe so well. She looked amazing in that video when she had her little chin prison. She had that little that little pencil skirt with the slit at the, at the thigh. I'm like, Dawn looks so dang good. Um, and I, and that, as soon as that guitar rip hits in, it is just, it's a good time. It's a good time. I thought Lucy Pearl was a great moment. I wish it would have lasted longer. Um, cause the album is really good. Like, I actually listened, re-listened to it a couple weeks ago. And I was like, this is a, a, a vibe. So if it would have lasted longer, I think that would have been a great moment for Dawn as well. But I mean, we got two good singles out of it and a Grammy nomination from it. So I guess there's something to celebrate, but I get, but at the same time, she left the group, which is a, which, which is a cycle that seems to be a continuous cycle for this queen of ours. And it makes me think, baby, you have some valid points, but perhaps you are the problem. Well, she, say, she says that Raphael Sadiq did not like the fact that they were trying to, you know, focus on the female in the group. And, you know, apparently there was some jealousy from Raphael is what she has said. And she claims that he has since apologized to her for that. I don't know. She also blames him for her losing her home. I thought she was losing her home with Sylvia back in 96. I don't know what's going on with Don. Um, I like I said I didn't I mean I didn't care for any of those records and I'm not a down hitter because I will say um, when she did that rock steady for the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack in the 90s before she started talking trash about the other members I was like oh you know what I'm gonna support in Vogue I'm gonna support Don I went out and bought that whole soundtrack and it might have been the one with are you that somebody on there I, I just know with the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack and I it's rare that I listen to a, a soundtrack all the way through but I did listen for that cu- Aretha Franklin cover but by the time Lucy Pearl came out and it was well the girls Terry did this and she saw me she didn't speak and you know she was just became like a Latoya Jackson just always trying to spill somebody's tea and try to make somebody look bad I was just over her um maybe the mute I'm, I'm biased and I'm a Scorpio so I could just stay biased and stay mad and angry and miserable I didn't like any of it I didn't support any of it and then when 
what happened. I was not shocked. I wasn't shocked when Joy was on 106 in Park and Raphael Sadiq was on 106 in Park and they said that they didn't want her in the group and Joy should have been in there the whole time. I wasn't shocked at all. I I, re- I really loved Lucy Pearl. Um, I just feel like Lucy Pearl, like I, that album holds up. Like it just holds up. And I was surprised at how much it held up to me um, because I think it sort of had the elements of what at that moment was really like, like the Neo soul sort of like space at that time was just so like thriving. And so I think it had all of the right elements of that sort of genre or subgenre, but then it also had a lot of pop sensibility to it. Like it had some like, like it wasn't just like a, like dance tonight was like, a, a hit for a reason like it, it sort of went outside of that sort of neo soul space and i think that like that was the, the strength of that particular kind of group is that they all brought something from a different part of some other genre or subgenre, and so that's why it was so smart that being said i'm a huge joy fan like i will ride for joy until the wheels fall off probably Uh-oh. like i love me some joy um and so like when when the swap happened, I was like, but I, I, I can F with this too. Like, I love me some joy. So I can, I can get, she fits the vibe maybe even more so like in, in some regards, but I don't know her. Oh, she's Oop. so good. She's so good. Um, she wrote freedom that all those artists did. That's her song. I don't know her. Well, and that's, I think that's industry reasons why you don't know her. So no, I know her, but I just don't care about her. I mean, I know who she is. She's a, she's a particular kind of artist. And I think that, like, you know, she's, she's and not she everybody's she does not like Don. She said Don. And Rafael said they said Don should not have been the But wait a minute, Joshua. Champ, yeah. Jay, is it true that D'Angelo was supposed to have been in Lucy Pearl instead of Don? But I guess there were time commitments or something, so he couldn't do it. That's what they said. I've read that too. Like that it was going to be like that. That was a, it it was never intended for her to be, for her to be the original vocalist that way. Okay. So before we move on, I just want to say like, I just think that's still kind of whack to me. It's like really you leave a group and you end up in another group. Like I, to me, like none of it is making sense to me as we go down this, you know, this, this ladder, but that's my last piece on Lucy Pearl. It it makes sense. It makes sense to me simply because now she's a. I feel like she has a lane of spotlight because she's the only woman. She's the only sex symbol, and she's the only vocalist with a bad like, contract, according um, to her. I mean, because Raphael and Ali can't do what she can do, so I feel like she. I feel like her being in that group was super calculated, uh, in, a, in a positive way because she can shine. In a, in a way that she couldn't shine in in Vogue or with the aftermath that was more hip hop focused. I think we're so we we talk often about how like so the common denominator and the the sort of like you know Don is always leaving the group or leaving the thing, <laughs> and so we know that right. But I also think a lot about how all of these things are dominated all of these groups or all of these situations are dominated by really powerful men okay. and i think there's a dynamic there that we don't often acknowledge which is that even in in vogue with the creation of in vogue and who really sort of started in vogue it was men when we move to aftermath men when we move to lucy pearl 
men. And so, yes, we've got Sylvia in the picture, but I do think that we have to sort of like acknowledge that at the time that probably is a lot of that is a factor into why perhaps the things landed and went the way that they did sometimes was not just because she was the person, but because she was also probably having to deal with a level of um, an interesting dynamic and and misogyny perhaps between the men that she was working with um, most sort of like But even with the women, like she, her manager, she Trudy Green, Cassandra Mills, like to me, she seems like she thinks she knows more than everyone else and no one knows as much as she is and she's outsmarting everyone. Okay. Um, But so if we just go through a list of like managers, not even the record company, not even the groups, but managers, like who manage, how many managers have you had? Because some people have had the same manager, like look at J-Lo and Benny Medina for decades. When you're going through Trudy Green, Cassandra Mills, um, whoever managed you in Lucy Pearl, and then on and on and on and on, your husband and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, you are the, she is the common denominator. I mean, those are those are some good receipts. And there is misogyny. There's all of that, too. But she's not the only woman in the industry. And you have to know how to navigate the industry. And it's an industry about relationships. And if you're not building and cultivating relationships, you're going to end up in dire straits. Yeah. I think it, it. I think it's all valid. Like, I, I do not disagree that Dawn and even the other ladies have dealt with a whole bunch of misogyny, having to dim their light, having to be a little bit more somber and submissive to this male authority. I I don't disagree at all. I also think that it's it's possible that she can get in her own way too, only because when I look at her with Army Divas and how she had an issue meshing with a lot of the ladies, I'm like, sis. You can sometimes we can get in our own way, and I feel like there are moments where she can get in her own way. I agree. Well, I <laughs> I think that yeah, I think Don definitely gets in her own way, but I think the other part when you talk about misogyny and you have a conversation about being a black woman, a black woman in the industry, I think there are a lot of white girls who do the same thing that Don Robinson has done and they're still able to thrive. They're still able to be accepted. They're still able to go on. Don is an artist at the end of the day and she sees things the way she sees it. She has a vision, but I think a lot of times it's black women in the industry. You're not given that room to to really fly the same way. Um, there, there are tons of white girls in this business that get in their own way. And every time they fall, there is some man or some woman who's able to say, come on, sweetie, let me take you over here. Let's sign this contract. Let's do this deal. Let's make this money. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think to, to um, Josh's point, I mean, there is definitely a lot of misogyny and there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of that that happens to a lot of women. Um, but I think the difference with a black woman is you are not given the same level of grace to still be talented, to still have ideas, to still be, you know, a value as an artist. Um, and to make bad and to make bad decisions and try and, and, and recover from them. Yeah. This I agree is with deep. that. Because when I look at what Dawn does and I, when I look at how she thinks and some of the things she says, like, I think of a Courtney Love. I think about a lot of these white girls who get out here and do whatever, but they still, when it's time to get a contract, when it's time to get work, they do it. You know what I'm saying? They're not, you know, struggling to pay their mortgage. 
But what other members are struggling to pay their mortgage? Well, apparently we Maxine and Dawn. Now, Maxine is see. Okay, so let me uh, let me just say this really quickly. Bankruptcy is how you protect assets. So if you file for bankruptcy, and if you saw the bankruptcy uh, document, she had two properties. So Maxine is not necessarily struggling. When you file for bankruptcy, you're protecting your assets. That's what rich people do. That's what Donald Trump did. That's probably what the United States will do with $26 trillion in debt. So um, Maxine knows how to get to the money, I think. And, you know, I don't want to take too long on this because I know we have to go into the solo album, which also, you know, uh, you know, well, let me not even go there. But I, I, I just want to say this regarding Maxine and um, uh, booking shows like just a booking a show in itself. It takes a certain level of business acumen. And Maxine is able to do that for herself, even without all of the where is Maxine? Where is Maxine? Just because she has business sense. Like Dre Allen said, Don doesn't necessarily have that business sense to even book shows because people like the three of you have said like she was kind of like the main one and everybody loves Don. If that was the case and you sang lead on all the songs, you would have no issues booking shows even without the name because people know you. Don formerly than Vogue, but she's not able to book shows. Like when you look at certain things and be like, Well, how is Maxine able to book shows and she's able to open the studio, but Don doesn't like they're both black women and Maxine is older. She never had any of the solo opportunities that Don had. How is she able to build these relationships with people and able to kind of thrive and move forward? So you have to look at it, I guess, holistically. So there is, there's always going to be racism. There's always going to be misogyny, but also it's you and what you do. And that's what I'll say regarding Lucy Pearl. Well, no one said Dawn was a business uh, genius. I said she's an artist. <laughs> she said something about her shit. So, um, you know, I, hope she, I, I definitely, I've always felt like there's no reason why Dawn shouldn't be booking shows out of anyone. She definitely should be. Um, well, I've seen her perform like at a Pride event or whatever. But yeah, I mean, she definitely needs to figure that that out for sure. Yeah, because that's solo album. Now, the solo album, Dawn, which I love, to me, it is the album that is the direction in Vogue should have went in back in 2000. But the solo album came out in 2002. It was called Dawn. The single was called Envious. Like, why is everybody so envious? You know, the envy never lasts. Um, (laughs) Envy never dies. Um, What did y'all, have y'all listened to the solo album? I actually have the CD somewhere around here. Oh, wow. That's a collector's item. Listen, it was on the now defunct um, QVC Records or whatever. You know, Q Records, I think, but it was owned by QVC. Did you say QVC? Yes, it was called Q Records, if I'm not mistaken. Dawn is going to unblock you and block you again. Owned by QVC. She's going to unblock you to correct you, then block you again. (laughs) Dawn was ahead of her time. She realized that there was um, money in like home telemarketing (laughs) sales. And so she was like, she was like, I'm going to put. I'm going to buy, I'm going to sign with the record label that's already got, you know, the the subscribers that are at home watching. And that's, you know. She, she better come up with a three-way candle like Karen Huger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually have never heard this album. I, I have I have heard Envious. I've seen the, the video. Um, I'm not impressed. I thought that it did not capture Dawn in, in how incredible she is as a performer. I think I don't I it was very underwhelming for me. Y'all remember that that song from the cat from the Halle Berry Catwoman movie that group Mystique? 
dangerous yes, or, dang- or whatever it was that's scandalous. What, that's what envious was to me. And what happened to what happened to Mystique? I mean, I scandalous was like a top ten. <laughs> scandalous was a bot. And and where are they now? They are somewhere in the UK trying to have a reunion. Um, I I did not like envious. I was it did not make me want to listen to the album at all. Um, I think at this point I was just over overdone, honestly. To, to say the least, not in a bad way. I was kind of like, uh, like, I feel like following her career up to that point, it was so tumultuous for me. I, mean, I couldn't keep up. So I was kind of like, you know what, whatever she does, congratulations, more power to you. I'm just going to move on. Because at that time, you know, we had Nessie's job. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, like, mm. say, I want to say their name now. I want to say their name. I so I I've not heard I have not well I've heard the album I haven't like listened listened to the album but like I thought Envious was actually really cute like I I I kind of agree that I wish that maybe because like that was a very of the time kind of sound and I feel like that I agree that 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 sound could have not necessarily heavy handedly, but like a little bit of that sound could have really played to invoke strength. If, it, if that's what they had adopted a little bit more of, but, um, I didn't hate envious. Um, I, but I also didn't really love the album either. So like, I can't necessarily like, I don't envious know. Envious is a song you give to, uh, a new artist that just came off of their Disney Channel run. Uh, not not to not to uh, an artist who has sold millions of albums, has platinum singles, number you know top ten hits, and Grammy nomination. That is not the type of song you give to Don Robinson. What was interesting to me is like regardless, like that sound was so con- like yes. The, so the song is a little cookie cutter. Is it's a little like it's good, but it could have been in a lot of different like singers catalog it could have moved from somebody else but she sang the shit out that song (laughs) she was she was singing on that song still and that's the thing i think that's like kind of like i don't know it's a little bit of a like um it's a little bit of a double-edged sword i mean because i feel like it's so it doesn't age well like i I can't bump envious right now and be like oh this is my this is my song but like but like but don't mess with my man i could i can knock that right now true true And, and and it will hold up so i just feel like you can't give us this and then give us this. You know, it's kind of like, oh. I, well, I think Don't Mess With My Man was a terrible single choice and that was part of the reason why they broke up because that shit Excuse isn't a single. Excuse me? But, you know what? You I mean, as, I, I mean, I love it because it's Don Solo, but she, they had much better song choices that could have done well on the R&B charts. Don't Mess With My Man was not an R&B record for R&B radio. That was just stupid. Like, they have a lot. They had a lot other, a lot of other songs that would have worked um, following up Dance Tonight. But for those who are interested in Don's solo album, some of my favorites are um, Get Up Again, Fed Up. Read it in my eyes. Set it off. Still, it's a very cute album. Yes, you be, you better you better promote this album so she can unblock you. Block you. It's not available on streaming, is it? No, it's not. So to put things to bring things back to the sort of the now, um, Dawn is still trying to make a name for herself as a solo artist. Earlier this year, she did a number, a number, a number. 
of Instagram and YouTube interviews <laughs> promising a new album and a tell-all book. Um, do you think it's possible for her to have success this late into her career, um, especially after burning um, as many bridges as she has allegedly done? Right now, in every single entertainment lane, nostalgia is the trend. It is the trend where, you know, you you have so many groups that are reuniting and going on successful tours. You have all these uh, movies and TV shows doing remakes and reboots and sequels. I'm like, baby, nostalgia is what's selling. So whatever, if you want to be relevant right now as an, a woman of a certain age in this industry, your your, your ticket is to reunite with Invo. In my opinion, that is her ticket. That's her ticket. Because what else, what else can she do? I don't think she needs to reunite with Invogue. I personally don't want to see it because I don't want to see five members of Invogue. Personally, I think she needs to call Raphael Sadiq and they need to do that and stay in that lane. And because I think I think Lucy Pearl is the one thing that I could still see. Like I can still hear that on radio right now. Like I can hear a new Lucy Pearl album and it would sound, it wouldn't sound like, oh, you're trying to create something, you know, like Neo Soul is something that hasn't died, you know, versus New Jack Swing, for example, when In Vogue came out. So to me, like, I'm tired of I hearing agree. about, I'm tired I of agree. hearing about, I'm tired of hearing about why you left the group. I don't care at this point. I don't care about your contract. At this point, call Raphael, have a kumbaya because he ain't doing shit else either. Oh, Ooh. excuse me. He don't have a whole, I mean, you know, he doing his individual work. Call that man, do this Lucy Pearl thing, and move on. And if you can't do that, my other option would be to do a a dance album, just appeal to the gays, do that like up tempo, very CC Pennison, Martha Wash, you know, and do some dance hits. But other than that, like it's not going to happen. But Don, the thing that people want to see is Don to reunite with the girl. That's what people want to see. They don't care about Lucy Pearl. They don't care about... This. And I feel like if she did do like some dance records, that that would be beneficial to use that as a stepping stone to release you. But I, I feel like, honestly, the people... The, it, and, 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 it, and it's a missed opportunity for all parties involved. Because having involved beef... Uh, beef I'm, and I'm wait, wait, wait. folks, we're going to get to the invoke part. We're going to get to the re, the we're going to get there. But let, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's just think about do we want to hear her solo? <laughs> yeah. If, if she's got a dance beat and, you know, it, it makes me bop, then sure. 100%. You know, stay, 100%. Like, it needs to be a niche situation. Like, I'm not trying to hear her you know, do something that's going to be on, you know, like she's trying to get on, you know, the mainstream charts. I say uh, appeal to your audience, work the pride festivals. I mean, Deborah Cox is getting paid <laughs> every, every year. Heavily. She's heavily booked and busy doing the pride circuits. So I say, get you some, do you some remixes, get you some, some beats, um, and learn how to um, okay. use a new Martha Wash. Get candy with some beat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm going to offer this because I think y'all y'all hit the nail on the head on the music side. I just want to like, and this is just my personal opinion. I don't care to read a tell-all book. I, I think I'm good on that. 
I think I'm good on tell all books in general because it, in this in this day and age, like everything has been shared and everything has there is nothing left to be said that that can't be an, an Instagram post at this point. Like I, I don't I don't I don't think especially after after the I know at one, at one point she was sort of like I think she was doing like some kind of lecture webinar things around like you know the business and all this other kind of stuff and I, I was just like we we good on that like I if it's not singing I think it's 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 not worth diving into because that tour of Instagram interviews was exhausting and the pandemic was already exhausting. So like to have to like see that on my screen is an- another, another interview was just like, okay, there's no claim. Like there's no reason to do a book anymore because there's nothing left to, to desire. When, when I, when I search in Vogue or even Don Robinson's name on YouTube, the first video that pops up is her and Maxine on TMZ. So I feel like, I feel like, baby, you've, you've said enough to the biggest scandalous blog that exists today. So what more can you tell us? I mean, y'all called Sydney and Terry bitches and all kind of stuff. So I'm kind of like, baby, like, we, we uh, tell our book, unless, I feel like maybe uh, if it's like her life before in Vogue, maybe she gets into her relationships, you know, her being divorced, like that kind of stuff. Like I, it, it can, it can be interesting, but, but I feel like a tell our book on her part, it's selling point would obviously be about the, uh, the group drama, but we know about it. You know, she said it in about 72 interviews. So it's like, baby, we don't need to hear it again. I would be interested to hear, like, how she did not snag an athlete or something. I think she wants to land her own coin, honestly. I think that's what she, she wants to land her own coin. And I respect that, you know, but I, but as far as a book is concerned, I, I can do without it. You know, it's no. interesting. We haven't talked about Dre Allen at all, Um during this because she was with him for a while and they did music together and I know he was trying to I guess manage her um yeah but I mean still though like years and years and years of being in a relationship with someone and working on music together that is still a large part of her career and we didn't discuss that I I, I guess you probably don't want to discuss it but I mean she did get married it's not like she you know she was single throughout everything so and then the type of man she married, she married someone who I don't want to say was less than her, but she definitely had more stature in the industry. And I think she was older than him. Um, so maybe she looked at herself more so as a, I'll go ahead. The, the, I was going to say the only, the only way a tell-out book would be the least bit attractive to me is if she actually goes into detail about this behind the scenes drama. I mean, give me some details, baby. Even if you have to like change people's names or, or make references to them. Cause I don't know if y'all remember this book called Hiding in Hip Hop, where it was just like gay executive who was talking about all the download men that he was sleeping with. He didn't say who they were. He described their career. So it's like I'm gonna say what they what they did, you know Korean did the same thing. Remember you Korean Stephens? I remember I, that's the one I read. I read that book. Yeah, but I read the How to Never one. He he was very he was very meticulous and careful about not mentioning names, but giving us enough so we can figure it out ourselves. 
So even if she does that, it's kind of like, baby, if you're, if you're going to give a tell-all, please give us specific details. But she's specific not. Specific details. She's not going to ever finish why, writing that book. And that's why I don't want it. But I'm just saying, like, we talked about everything, but, like, that, that was a... That was a long relationship where there was music and she was touring. And remember that reality show? We didn't even talk. We, we didn't talk about R&B Divas. We didn't talk about that reality show that she did when there was the rat. And she was like, I can't live in the house with a rat. I was in the music and the reality show. I don't have any money. We didn't even talk about Like, there's just so much. There's just so much. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to talk about with Dawn. It really is. I thought with R&B, R&B Divas, R&B Divas wasn't, I know we, I know we have to get to the submit, to some submitted letters. Um, but I, I thought that her on R&B Divas was was a good look for her, honestly. For her? her? I mean, yeah, reality TV is, was big. And then on top of that, Carlos King is like, you know, infamous for giving you good reality TV. And I felt like it was because, good. because I felt like because R&B, because those two shows, um, Hollow Divas and R&B Divas were not as mainstream as Housewives or the, the other acclaimed Kardashians or whatever, I feel like it was, it it had enough legs to stand on and build a bigger audience. And so I feel like if she would have stayed for another two seasons, I feel like it could have been much better. Because them continuing to replace the girls, it would just get, it was becoming a lot. Because let's be real, like R&B Divas in particular, she wasn't the only, like, I thought I thought she fumbled that a little bit, like, or a lot of it, actually. Too. But I think she wasn't the only one acting a fool on R&B Divas, because Lord knows <laughs> Kelly Price sure showed her herself on that okay. show, too. So, Lil like, Lil I just, well. I think that, like, that was, um, I think she could have benefited from another season where she got to sort of, like, clean it up. <laughs> but the interesting thing for me, like, with R&B Divas, like, I think people have this idea that Don Robinson is this diva and that she's this like combative person that you would think, you know, because of she's been in multiple groups. But I found it really interesting that she was like, I don't want to argue with you. I'm not, I would rather leave and I'm not going to come to the reunion. I, I don't want to engage in this way. I thought that was very interesting because that's not what I would have expected. You know, I would have expected her to go at Lil Mo and be like, no, little girl, like, this is what it's going, you know, like, this is what it's going to be. But she, she was like, I don't like to argue. I don't want to do that. And that really she surprised me. She likes to pick at people that aren't going to say anything. And then when you get a Scorpio like Lil Mo, or when you get a Aquarius like Shantae Moore, or an Aries like Kelly Price, you're not going to do too much with them. You could do that with the Virgos and the Libras and all those people. Maybe Don't you think Kelly Price were on good terms. Like, duh. They were, but she was talking trash recently in one of those interviews talking about it. And I thought Kelly was my friend, but when they were talking about how I needed to get an oil change because my uh, engine was smoking, she didn't defend me. So so I don't know what's going on with Dom, but she was going in. She even went in on um, Claudette. She was like, Claudette, I don't really believe her daughter was in the hospital. Like, all these years later, so obviously something bothered her, but that's the thing, like, communication, which Sagittarius actually is supposed to be like a master of communication. Communicate with people, like, I think she doesn't know how to communicate. Maybe like she's like her fans who don't really know what happened. It seems like they'll pick up on everything she says and start parroting it. But when you listen to what she's saying to me, it doesn't add up. And also it seems like she doesn't like confrontation, but she'll try to, you know, say stuff on Instagram and to other people about you. That's what I don't like. Like when I, like you don't have to argue back. She could have just been like, well, where's your guy right now? And talked it through, but she didn't. She ran. 
So, since we're talking about Armored Divas, so, so, interesting story. I think I've told you this guys before, but I'm going to say it on air. When we're talking about, you know, Joshua, you said she fumbled that opportunity on Armored Divas. So, I, I went to film school. Um, I went to, I was in the business program. And so, one of my classmates, he's a DJ, also a producer. And so, he, we were just having a conversation and he was saying that, oh yeah, I'm working with um, Don Robinson from Vogue. You know, she we're going to be filming some scenes she's she's doing for R&B divas, um, and so apparently they were going to film some scenes in her in the studio. And Homegirl was working on new music. She was working with B. Slade, and he played me a record. It was called it is called Vixen. It was a great sound. For Dawn. She sounded amazing, and I was so upset that it didn't make the show. Um, so apparently, this is all alleged. Apparently, um, she got a little insecure about the song because it was a new sound for her. She didn't think that the, her fans and the audience would, would um, um, like the new sound she was giving. So she ended up like asking them to take all this stuff out and not recording anymore uh, with that. So, I, but mind you, like I said, when I heard the song, I'm like, this is this is a vibe. If Dawn would have came out with that song, I'm, it, I feel like it would have given her like some new legs to stand on. And I would just, it would, and that's why I said she gets in her own way because I'm like, well, sis, you don't know if you don't try. Um, so, it, so it just kind of sucks that we weren't able to see that. To hear that, I think her working with Beast Slade is killer um, collaboration because Beast Slade alone is a is a musical genius. Um, she could have she uh, could have had that Tisha Campbell record. <laughs> um, that is a bar. <laughs> that is a viral sensation. <laughs> we love inside information. I love the inside information, champ. Yeah, so but Dawn has had, I mean, it's been alleged that she's been working with a lot of, that she has worked with a lot of people in the past. Because then wasn't she um, working with Brian Cox like 10? Yes. Brian oh, Cox, Devontae Swing. She has songs with Dr. Dre's team. Like she worked with a lot of people. That's why I'm just like, um, okay, what's going on, Dawn? It just sounds like she got a whole bunch of unreleased music that could be a whole mixtape. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. And the sad thing is probably really good. I'm being, I'm, I'm there. I'll be there. No 30 year in Vogue anniversary for Don. During the aforementioned interviews, the YouTube interviews, Instagram interviews, Twitter interviews, Don also shared her reasons for not returning to Invoke for the group's 30th anniversary. She feels Terry and Cindy are too controlling of the group. She didn't want Rona Bidden included. There's a few reasons that I decided not to do the uh, 30-year anniversary. We tried. We were going to do a tour, a slight tour. They didn't want to, Cindy and Terry controlled the whole thing. And I was, I was feeling like Maxine and I don't really have a say-so. We just have to do what they say. And our ideas and our our input wasn't listened to. They didn't hear us at all on anything. Terry and Cindy want to bring Rona in there. And Rona wasn't there from the beginning. So how can Rona celebrate something she wasn't there for? And I've, I've maintained that for a very long time. We built the foundation when you weren't there. So why should you be for, there to celebrate that? That's my thing. You know what I mean? Because Cindy's yeah. thing was we had a meeting before we did that charity event last year, uh, 2019. We had a meeting and Maxine, Cindy and I were going back and forth, not arguing, but she was like, well, 
Marlon's been with us longer than you and Maxine, technically 13 years, as opposed to you guys were only with us for eight years. And I said, and? And? We helped build the foundation of, Luc of Invoke. Excuse me, not Rona. Well, Rona's, you know, we went to number 11 on the charts with our album, uh, Electric Cafe, I think she said. I said, and? I said, that's really nice, Cindy. But when Maxine and I are there, we do number ones. I'm sorry, Maxine was sitting to my right. I said, we do number ones. We don't do number 11. I was, no shade, but a little bit of shade. What are your thoughts on her reasons for not joining the 30th anniversary reunion? And do you want her to rejoin? Terry and Cindy have been carrying on the Envogue name for a very long time. Yes, you guys are the original members. Yes, yes, a lot of your most iconic moments are with the original four. But Terry and Cindy have been carrying in on this legacy, you know, for a very long time. So I feel like it's only it only makes sense for them to kind of have the final say or be the captains of the ship in that regard. Because like, sis, we've been here. We we've been here. Yes, I I, I don't you know, I don't believe that they are try, trying to that they would have to silence her or like say you it's our way or the highway. But I definitely feel like it's like well this is how we've been doing it for the past ten years. And so you know now that you're here, this is what we're doing. You know um, so and I, I can see like her saying they're too controlling in that way. But I feel like if this is how we're operating the shit, baby, just just get in line and put some respect on Ronald Bennett's name. Yes. Put some respect on her name. Like I, I don't like. It. I don't. I, ne I never liked that comment when she said Ronda Ben should be included. It should be the, the original four. No, baby, she's been helping the legacy as well. So let's not act like she's just some glorified extra. Put some respect. She's here and she's staying. That's right. And you're gonna have and you're gonna have to deal with it. I think that is so disrespectful. So disrespectful. Don, shame on you for that. Shame on shame you. Shame on you for that. Because Rona, Rona deserves all the respect that we can give her for being the, the third member in this new era. The fact I'm that just we're, saying. The fact that we're even entertaining mixtape tours, whatever, is because there's been a group to continue since. And and I just feel like we can't. Right. So, like, it. If if it stopped when they left, <laughs> then like it would have just faded into the past, and we would we really wouldn't be like, I think having these opportunities that these ladies are able to take advantage of. So I I agree. I just can't I can't imagine not being. I just can't imagine not including Rona. I just can't. I want to hear what Jay has to say. Who me? Look here. Look here. <laughs> um. If it was Rona Bennett, Amanda Cole, or Jane Doe, it wouldn't matter. I understand exactly why Terry and Cindy would not want to replace her or ask her ask her to step down because at the end, end of the day, it's a business. And Terry and Cindy have worked with Rona and they have been able to, you know, carry on for years. And she obviously fits in well with them and works with them in a way that they like. So I don't blame them for saying, you know, no, we're not going to ditch her. I get it. Um, I think they should have tried to come to some compromise because I also understand why, you know, Don would feel like if we're celebrating Born to Sing, the people who are on Born to Sing should be celebrating it, not someone who was not around during that process. So I think it's a simple conversation of, well, maybe we can open 
this way, you know, bring Rona out for some songs or whatever and close it this way. I think there's a way to do it, maybe in Vogue featuring, you know, Rona Bennett or something along those lines. Um, I just think there's a way to do it, but I understand exactly why Don would not want to do it. I feel like that I, that idea, it just, it just gives precedent to anybody who says that she's not a real member. I feel like it just feeds that narrative that she is expendable. And I, don't, I just don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like that at all. It is so disrespectful. It's because that, that's a talented black woman. And this new, and, and this new, and, and she has contributed a lot. It doesn't matter. She, she, she She's been here. She's been there for twenty years. If we are celebrating Born to Sing, if we're celebrating Born to Sing, if I don't hear her voice on it, then Tag Man, Tag Man, Champ, Don didn't even have a lot lot of leads on Born to Sing. So (laughs) even if they celebrated, she's gonna be in the background anyways. On Born to Sing, Born to Sing, sing. Rona. I I know. I know. I know. But 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 they're interchangeable because because what single did uh Don Lee on? She's on live. Tag me in, tag me in, tag me in, champ. And Okay. (laughs) So what I wanna say regarding that is do you really think they were just celebrating born to sing? Like no, they were celebrating thirty years and when you talk about thirty years, you're talking about all thirty of those years. Yes, it was thirty years from the debut of Born to Sing up until now. Did you really think like you were gonna hear waiting on on you and time goes on they weren't going to do any of those songs they were going to unfortunately I hate to say they're probably going to do pretty much their standard set list which a lot of times included covers of songs that weren't even theirs the old school medley and they were going to do Rocket the new stuff and people actually do really love Rocket like when they play you know um, like down south and a lot of the urban areas like they love Rocket and Reach for Me so it was going to be all of that Um, Rona is not expendable and and, and in those 30 years who's been in the longest right (laughs) <laughs> and and just yeah, that, she like, has it been be singing anybody. karaoke the longest, and she has been singing other people's. Which, but they were too. They've been singing the old school melody. Like those aren't their songs either. Um, and that goes all the way back to when they started to um the Luther Vandross tour to the Funky Divas tour. They've been singing other people's songs, so that's not like you got her. You didn't get her. But uh, my point, well, and, and every artist sings that. a cover like that's I, like, okay. So she's been singing covers, and she's also done Ooh Boy, and she's also done Rocket. They've always done that, and they're so those are her songs so then the point is moot but what I wanted to say was that it can't just be anybody in the group I think people do respect consistency she's a phenomenal singer you won't find too many singers that sing as well as her and she does add a lot to the group and like I don't have anything against Amanda like I liked Amanda she was beautiful but I do remember the reviews I'm like I said Vibe has always been messy when it comes to Invoke and I remember specifically there was a show that they did where Vibe was just going in you can't go in on Rhonda Bennett like that because she is a great dancer she's a great singer like she has that training from the Mickey Mouse Club like she brings a lot to the group the consistency being one of them but just her vocals like seeing that show that they did in 2005 when it was terry uh max and rona like she was carrying the show you look at the night of the prom so it's not like it could just be anybody it really wouldn't work and if it was like constant personnel changes i mean i just think that would probably end in vogue and cindy would be like you know what i'm fine i'm just going to be you know when my kids have kids i'm going to be a grandmother 
Terry would do something else. I don't think she's expendable at all. I think Don was just being very messy and miserable. And I think it was a good scapegoat um, to you know try to explain why she didn't want to do it. But okay, when Ron had to leave in 2005, what was the issue? When Ron had to leave in 2009, what was the issue? When Ron had to leave in 2012, what was the issue? There's always going to be an issue. So stop trying to make someone else the issue when you're the issue. That's how I feel about that. I have two words and that's new edition. Um, because, uh, new edition across, they, they combined all of their forces across multiple eras to, to, to do this sort of super new edition. And granted, they're all sort of, it's a different, it's not apples to apples here because they were at, they were still at levels of success across members that perhaps in Vogue hasn't been, but, I think we're talking about different audiences here. Like, sadly, the mixtape tour, it doesn't matter who... Those people don't even really know those... They know In Vogue as a concept, but they don't know the granular specifics of who, which girl is what. Now, that's not the same at an In Vogue show because people are going and they know more intimately because they've chosen to. But even in some of those shows, <laughs> the people who are putting the people who are supporting and putting things on radio know hits, right? But I just think it's a matter of good business to make sure you're rewarding people who've shown loyalty. I just think it's a matter of good business to make sure you're rewarding people who've shown loyalty. And I just think that Rona's put in the work and if I was if I had put in the number of years that I had that, that she has to a group and I would casually be tossed aside in favor of someone who's left the group multiple times, I would feel some kind of way. And I think that Cindy and Terry, as the people who own the name, um, they know that they're when it's risk. You put your money on the what's consistent and they know that they can keep the consistent coin. They can keep the consistent touring. They can keep the consistent whatever as the the three piece that they've built. It's a gamble when you start including these other ladies who have hopped in and out, in and out, in and out. And so I just I, I understand how there's a desire for it to be the original four on a 30th anniversary thing. But you have to give credit where credit's due. And if it was that important, then perhaps those members should have stayed in, in the group. I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree with everything that you said. I understand exactly why Terry and Cindy, you know, are team Rona all day. It's business. She's been there. I get it. But I think in the grand scheme of things, um, in Vogue could have whoever, as long as they show up and a promoter is going to cut the check, like that's, it's their their touring isn't dependent on whoever's in that third But I spot. think it's business, but I, I think it's business, yes. But I also think that, like, they genuinely, it seems like they have built a connection with Rona. Like, it feels, it feels weird and, and thus, like, we all have as fans, some of us, because I feel like JP doesn't really, like, <laughs> but, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, I think that there's, like, a level of, like, care that they have built for this woman and i just think that that is something that that they that they choose to honor as well as what makes sense business wise and so can you imagine going to another invoke show and seeing another girl that's not rona 
I'd be over it because I'm kind of like, are y'all ever gonna get this lineup together? Right. Like, like literally, that would that would be more news than another Invoke tour. It's like, oh, Invoke. Uh, Twenty years later, they broke up again. Like it'll, <laughs> that will take. So it's kind of like you have you guys have been consistent, you know, um, for all these years. Now there's another shakeup in the lineup. I feel like that would hurt the brand uh, just that much. Like it did back in the day. So we're going to get to our uh, listener letters. And the first one comes from Nikola Deutschev. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Uh, Forgive me if I am. But Nikola Deutschev says, Hi in Vogue. It's so nice to talk to you. I've been a big fan of yours for a very long time. And I like all of your albums. In your opinion, which album that that you have released is the best one. First, I would like to say uh, to all the listeners out there, this is not an official Invogue podcast. We are a fan cast hosted by fans of Invogue. Invogue has nothing to do with this podcast at all. We hope to have them on one day to interview them, but this is a, a podcast created by fans of Invogue. That being said, my favorite album is Funky Divas. What about you guys? Mine is Funky Divas. Mine is Born to Sing or Funky Divas. Mine is Funky Divas or EV3. But I do know that Cindy and Terry have said that their favorite is Masterpiece Theater. They, they've gone on record and stated that that's probably their favorite. I mean, they got some good songs on there. I'm telling you. They got some good songs. K, Surah, Surah. Oh, you got to sing. It will be, it will be. Hey. I'm happy for you and me. Uh-oh. That we can finally see what was meant. All right. Cindy was singing on that song. And so was Maxine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we have an episode to, to, to dive into that. Um, the next email comes from a longtime fan named Kirk. Um, Kirk says, hi, all absolutely love the podcast. Totally felt like a mic just wandered into a room with EV fans. And I'm excited to hear more. I would love if you could talk about rare and unreleased in Vogue songs. And by unreleased, I'm talking about songs like flowers or the full version of the rock theme. I also remember hearing that in Vogue, the current lineup recorded another Christmas album, but it was shelved. I've always been fascinated with unreleased vaulted recordings from my favorites, like in Vogue, Janet, Aaliyah. Michael, Whitney, Mariah. Anyway, that's just something I would love to hear you all talk about at some point. Kudos for an awesome job. Thank you. What are y'all's thoughts about unreleased? Well, there is a song, yeah, because okay, I think the only the only unreleased songs that I've re- that I've heard have been like from EV3, which was like Keep Your Money and I Got Your Gun and the theme song from Rock. I really wish they would put that out in full. Like I love that song, and there is actually on YouTube there's like a um a full version of that song. Like it was played on the radio. It's it's like a um someone grabbed it from like um the radio, and I wish there was like a clear, clean version of that because I I still love that song. I'm always like really, really thrown by how much is sitting in a vault that people could capitalize on. Like there's money to be made. Like it's not serving any purpose sitting in a vault somewhere. Like it's not. It's like not. I don't I don't really don't understand that. I I do I do a, a side screening thing called Black A Stuck at Home where I like screen films every two weeks and we did a um uh 
we did a screening with Vanessa Williams last year around a diva's Christmas Carol, <gasps> and there's a song in there called Heartquake, and I this asked her, and I was like, "How much can I take?" <laughs> Speaking of girl groups, um, and I was like, Vanessa, like, what is going on, sis? Like, we need Heartquake on on streaming. And she was like, I know. And but it's just sitting somewhere. Somebody just has to give permission to put it somewhere. And so that's why I don't understand about like theme songs and that kind of stuff. Why can't we get that? Especially in this era, because you don't even have to put social media will do your promotion for you. That being said, I love flowers. I do love flowers. So I'm actually not very... I'm actually not very well versed in all of their unreleased stuff because the stuff that I have heard, I agree with Matan and I agree with Jonathan. It's like if if they are unreleased, it's for a reason. And a lot of the unreleased stuff that I've heard has not been impressive to me. Now I have been on YouTube like deep diving and I've heard like unreleased songs and I'm kind of like, wait, why wasn't this track released? You know, um, like Nicole Scherzinger, the lead singer from Pussycat Dolls, she has this song called Punch You In Your Sleep, which I think is a bop. <laughs> uh, and I was like, why didn't they release the song? It's a bop. She's sticking her face off. Um, if you on YouTube, try to fill it for it, it is a bop. But, I'm, but I haven't heard an unreleased track by Involve that is like, I'm like, oh my God, this should have been on the album. Unfortunately, I wish I had that. I think also because of when Involve was recording during their prime, um, I don't think, I mean, I wouldn't know, but I'm just assuming for what I've heard. I don't think at that time people were just like recording stuff all willy nilly. Like now the recording process is a lot easier. You can record in your and house. And cheaper. It, yes, everything is cheaper. Back then in the day, if they were going to record, they had to, you know, it had to be something they, you know, they thought would be good because it was going to be, um, you know, more expensive. So now, I mean, you can go and record a whole album in your bedroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. But back then, they had yeah. to go and get in the studio and, and you know, spend all kinds of money. I do, like, I, I am curious, because I agree. I think, like, the earlier, like, the, like, Born to Sing, Funky Divas, like, I feel like that is absolutely the case. I, I think by, like, um... By EV3 era, I feel like they were like really kind of like in a place where they were probably dim- like doing a lot more. And so I just feel like there's some more baby face stuff that's just sitting somewhere. I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling and I just want to hear it. I, I want to hear it. Also, this is the time for me to say that I feel like Babyface should have put them on the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. But anyway, um, next. You put them on the Soul Food soundtrack. And the Soul Food soundtrack. <laughs> <sighs> you didn't like You Are the Man? I feel like that's like an honor. Like, that's like, I don't know. When I think about soundtracks of the 90s, I just like, I hold Waiting to Exhale soundtrack as like the standard. And for that to be so literally women driven, I just felt like they would have been much more suited for that. Instead of like, for real? Right. Well, I do love that song, though. That is like my favorite song from the soundtrack. But you know what I could have done without is, and I gave my love to you. I, 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 I could have done without that one, but <laughs> well, that's why you know. Just I, I, I know I know we're nearing the end, but I I always thought there was some kind of 
beef between them and Whitney just because like she picked, she said something like she was like, okay, I picked how I want to pick. Don't ask about who's not there. And I was like, oh, why wouldn't she pick a book? But then so I was so happy when Don told the story about how they met her and they just hugged her and ran up to her and she was so kind to them. And they, you know, so they did have a good relationship. So I don't know why they're not on there. The only thing I'm thinking is maybe because Cindy was, um, you know, I think both Max and Cindy were on kind of like a maternity leave. But I, I do wonder because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had TLC SWB for real, and you know. I mean, I feel, I could feel, I could see it probably because it's like they're a group of four women, you know, and it's kind of like, and they're all lead singers, so it's like if you include them, you're going to have to probably find a way to use all four vocals, or you're only going to be able to use one person, which is not going to, you know. I feel it's a lot of politics that go into that, but I feel like if I was Whitney, I wouldn't choose a group either. Child, you know, it's probably Luther. Like, Luther probably told Whitney, don't put them girls in the album. He, okay, he said, if you don't choose her, I'm not going on tour with you, Whitney. But I, I, I think <laughs> I think Whitney gave some people, and I think, because the way Babyface phrased it, like, I've heard so many different stories about that soundtrack. I've heard Whitney say she made a list, but I heard Babyface recently say over quarantine that they kind of told her, he told her who he was thinking of, and she okayed it. That's what okay. that's what Babyface has said as of like quarantine during his Instagram, you know, chat when he did the whole Wavex Hell thing. Um, and I do know that for real, he also did like one or two songs on their album. So I really just think he was already working with them and he was just like, you know, yeah, y'all like, hey, come to the studio real quick. Let me put y'all on. <laughs> right, 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 right. But don't let go. Don't let go. Set it off. I mean, I'm happy they have that as opposed to any of the songs on um, the Waiting to Excel soundtrack. So that, I, you know, that's, that's the real. blessing. All right. The next email from Kendra. Hi there. First, I'd like to express my gratitude to you for your podcast as a longtime oh girl fan. Having a podcast devoted to them is lovely. I can't wait to listen to all of the episodes. While I'm a loyal fan who will check anyone who dares to speak of my gals, I'm going to do just that right now you see i'm not the sort of fan who accepts and loves everything that favorite artist puts out or praises them even when i think they're not putting their best foot forward that said i'm so sick of invokes predictable ponytails tacky black outfits (laughs) old school swing side to side choreography matan did you write this (laughs) (laughs) their stylist needs to go and their choreographer needs to up their game or the group needs to pay him more money for more rehearsal time to give them tighter, more complex choreography. Oh, I think Champ wrote this one. Why did they remove the dance break from Free Your Mind? Thank goodness for Rona. Otherwise, we see no variety in the group. I, I'd like to see Invoke venture away from their all-black wardrobe and embrace color and wear costumes again. Not this pedestrian-looking wardrobe that you can see on anyone in everyday life. I just saw them on Kelly Clarkson's show, and they looked good, but Terry in particular looked like a secretary. Again, what's oh, going my on? They're performers. They all need to be larger than life when on stage. Give me theatrics in your musical arrangement and outfits and give me classic and vogue choreography. That said, they're my girls and I love each and every one of them to pieces. Okay, that's all. Bye. Well, Kendra, Kendra, that was a read. Kendra, you read the girls down. Are, they, are, they, your, are they your girls, Kendra? Because you just ripped and read them to film. <laughs> 
Kendra, I'm not mad. Listen, I think anyone who's been a fan for a long time has seen in Vogue in different in- inclinations. And I honestly think this is like the tightest they have looked in terms of their stage appearance in a in some time like i feel like maybe a couple of years ago they started kind of upping it probably when electric cafe came out because i remember remember they used to wear you know jeans and a little blouse i hated that you know they were wearing jeans and blouses for years so i think they have kind of done it up i mean i'm they obviously are wearing their current uniforms quite a bit um you know, but you got to also remember, though, like in Vogue is that they're independent artists. They're tour. They are a nostalgic touring act. So they don't have, you know, thousands of dollars for hair, makeup, wardrobe anymore. That's why they weren't making any money back in the day, because they had the best. <laughs> they had the best makeup artists, the best hairstylists, the best um, stylists and all of that. Um, so now at this stage in their group at this stage in their uh, career, I'll say, um, they're backstage doing their own hair and their own makeup and making it work. <laughs> unless it's a unless it's a major appearance. And I think they look good when they did Billboard a couple of years ago and they did some other award show recently. They they know how to like up it for when the occasion calls. When it comes to wardrobe, when I look at artists like Dawn Richard and how she manages to look like top tier current, like these. Is she wearing a bathing suit? No, 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 no. She gives you much more variety than that. Don't play her. Like Don, Don, Don gives more than a bathing suit or a bodysuit. That's a lie. Go through her Instagram account right now. You'll see. So Don gives you looks, right? But what I'm saying is, Don is an independent artist. She funds herself, but she has a creative. I enough to say, oh, I can piece this with this and this, and it looks expensive. It looks couture. It looks stage ready. So I feel like it wouldn't hurt for um, look. look uh, she is a headdress. Oh, a bodysuit with a headpiece. Okay. I'm just saying, but I'm, it look it look expensive. Uh, but I mean, obviously, uh, Invo ain't gonna, ain't gonna be in that. They could Rona could wear that. I'm just saying, she look great. I I. I I have to I have to jump in here. Artists now, specifically to go to the Don Richard example, I love some Don Richard. She's doing photo shoots for the sake of doing photo shoots. She is creating photos. Like she that that's she knows the Instagram thing is to post photos. Like that's the thing, right? Is is to give looks for the sake of giving looks, not because you're on a stage doing it or you're on a red carpet, but she's just like, let me go do a shoot with this 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 fly outfit. Every, in Vogue in recent years has never hit a red carpet, has never done a music video, has never done a moment that has been televised, Wendy Williams, all these things without looking sickening. It is only when they are left to their own devices and have to go and do the same show over and over and over again on a tour where there's less likely to be major 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 coverage that they say well let's just do this uniform thing let's just give these same circulation of looks or whatever and so that's the nuance right is because that so while some while some other artists put a lot of investment into how they look them outfits are just fine for uh arlington virginia 
or them them outfits are just fine for Detroit because these the folks who are coming to these shows they're not looking at the Instagram being like well that's the same outfit that they wore at this other they don't care about that yes we are we're messy some some we're messy <laughs> some we are but, but listen it's not an invoke show unless Terry got on them pants and I'm here for <laughs> Those pleated, those those little ruffle pants. I'm here for it. I'm just saying. It. Kelly Clarkson, all of these, all of these, every award show that they've popped up at or whatever, they've always looked amazing. Every shoot that they've done in support of something that they're working on, it's always been a, a stylist behind it. There's always been a different look. It's only when they don't have the like the. I agree. They don't have. They shouldn't have the means, or they shouldn't have Get a to, stylist for the for for appearances. I feel like if you're gonna be consistent, be consistent and on and and like like uh, New York said, in all shades. Like you have to. Yeah, I I, I understand your point is valid. I understand. It's kind of like, oh, we're going to, to uh, Utah. We're doing a, a state fair in, in Colorado. We can just throw this on. It's a big deal. I put my hand in the and we're fine. But I just feel like in Vogue, when they first started started out, like they were known for their fashion. But they're not in that phase of their career anymore. They, and they perhaps, have- perhaps that's why the star, is that why the star is rating? Maybe that's why? But you got to understand, a record label was paying for that stuff. Like, they... That stuff was coming out of a budget, you know. Okay. When they go yeah. on Arsenio and, and there are shows. there are independent artists today who are who are still looking expensive. So it's like well, yes, I, think they look, I think they look expensive when they're on stage. No, no, but they we, don't. But we don't know that they're we don't know their bank accounts. Let's be very clear. Like I think a lot of folks, and because that's important to the demographic that they serve. Like there's sure the independent artists are doing it. But like it's not important to the demographic of folks, the larger demographic of folks who's going to invoke shows to see them in a sickening look stop after stop after stop. It's gotta be different than the last one, gotta be different than the last one. Like I just I think that like that's an unrealistic expectation that we're putting on women who are doing this without the support I of disagree. a label. Um, here's the thing. They show up when it matters uh, I, though. I think- I think one of you guys said it in, in the first episode, or maybe we 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 had reference that someone else said it. it was kind of like when you go see your favorite, you don't want to go to a show and see that your favorite artist doesn't look like themselves, right? So here, so here's the thing: if if when Rocket came out and um, their styles have them looking like super couture, super fashionable, like if if this is how you're presenting yourself in this new era. When I come to see you in a live performance, I, I don't, I'm not expecting the, those gowns, but I'm expecting something in that vein. So if I see you on Kelly Clarkson and you look great here, or if I see you on Good Morning America and you look like this, I'm expecting the presentation to be as such because you're saying, hey, look at us, come to our tour. This is what we're giving you to, why am I doing this? But <laughs> this, this, this is what we're giving you to get you to want to come to our show. So if you are attracting me with this presentation and I pay $80 or however much to see your show, I expect to see something in the same lane. And so if it's not that I feel like I have been bamboozled, baby, so Miss Mamas, you have to give me what you told me you were going to give me. And when it's not giving what it's supposed to give, I want to, you to give me my money back, baby. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think they're giving in the same. They're giving you a, a, a black or silver, a sparkly effect. Like, well, give me some yellow. 
Give me some red. Give me some blue. Give me some purple, baby. Give me a polka dot. Give me a leopard print. All right? They can't be wearing bright colors. They get a little stain on it. Then they can't wear it the next show. They be having to recirculate those outfits. They don't look bad. We just hate seeing it over and over and over again. Hopefully, hopefully with this new tour that has a budget behind it, we'll see we'll see a different presentation. Do not be hold great. your breath. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really hoping though I really am hoping I just I'm hoping yeah I'm hoping at least for costume changes too like I looked like I said I saw the one that was in 2019 and like I mean Tiffany and then the thing is in Vogue is a group too so anything like any expense you have is kind of multiplied by three unfortunately unless they're just bringing their own clothes um I hope though I really want to be wild and you know hopefully the promoter give us some new red dresses that would be great that would be give nice. us some new red dresses for giving something you can feel that would be a moment yeah i'm just saying but you know i i i'm not i'm not their manager it's, perhaps i should be it's the I'm promoter <laughs> i think it's the promoter because like sometimes you'll see them with the band sometimes they won't have one so i think it depends on how much like the promoter will give them for the show and if there's no budget for like a band then they'll I'm for, like I'm happy I've never seen them play w- along uh, to a tape but if they're only getting you know so much they're not right. gonna right yeah so final thoughts 30 years later are you still fan are you still a fan of Dawn's no yes yes, yes. I love her I'm block me um <laughs> <laughs> yes I think sky's the limit she's that girl yes I still, I still feel like she has um, a lot of space that she can uh, conquer. I agree. I agree. I think that there's, there's something. I'm still intrigued. I, I think the passion that we talk about Dawn with, I think there's something to be taken advantage of there. Is um, she wearing me thin with this vaccine talk? And ooh, let's her <laughs> She wearing me oh. very thin with that. I don't follow her. Um, her Twitter essays uh, have her Twitter essays have turned me off, so I had to unfollow her. Um, however, I am still a fan. You know, I love you, girl. I go on rats too, and I'm sure there are people who have unfollowed me for them as well. <laughs> so, um, more specifically, has what she said about the members of In Vogue, Cindy, uh, Terry, uh, Rona, and Maxine, turned you off? Yes. Uh, for her or do you respect her for speaking her mind it turned me off um, one I don't like how she accused the magazine of stealing because she thought she didn't act the way a black woman should those are her words you know if a black woman was should the promoter so her money she would have did this okay that's not you know um, concrete enough for you to accuse her of stealing I don't like her disrespecting Rona I don't like her disrespecting Cindy and Terry I don't like her disrespecting her sister putting her business on the street saying they don't get along like you just run your mouth too much Don like um, I'm tired of you sorry I don't mind it because I feel like she's telling the truth (laughs) even when she talked about her old sister so I mean I'm here for it I was going to say, I have a lot of respect for her. It makes me look at her in a different way, but it also allows me to not feel so um, inhibited on how I speak about her. Hey, okay, so I like that. If you, if, you did, if, you did, if you dish it out, be able to take it as well. Yes. So if she can be so candid in speaking on these ladies, then I should be able to speak candid on her actions as well. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think... Um, 
I wish that she would let the past be the past. I wish she would also realize that you you can't be mad about things when you signed away your rights to something. So do you want to see her back in in vogue? Yes, no, why or why not? No. I'm good too. For me, not really because I just I think there's other things that she can do. Um if I were to see her in Invogue, it would just I would only want to see the original four. I wouldn't mind like a final farewell performance um from the original four, um, including Dawn. I wouldn't mind that as a way to put a cap on it and say, you know what, ladies, we did some iconic things together. We had a great run together. We made history. Let's celebrate that uh, with a with a final performance and go our separate ways. I wish you the best. You wish me the best. And it's all up. I want that to happen. Uh, perhaps that was the moment that they did when they celebrated Sylvia Rome. Um, maybe that was that moment. Um, but I feel like it wasn't. It wasn't like publicized. It wasn't big it was like enough. A, you, it wasn't. It wasn't big enough. You know, for the for the fans. For the fans, I wouldn't mind that. But a whole reunion, get back together, possibly. I don't think so. I'm okay. Why well, I think for the right coin, she might do it. <laughs> Y'all, this is this can also like be tossed out potentially, but like I was watching some show, some news show, and there's a band called the Doobie Brothers, and they um they they are on a tour, and so y'all know Michael McDonald, I'm assuming, yes. um, but Michael McDonald was an original member and still a member, and he's on the tour, but the they released a new album and the album was done without Michael McDonald and they are receiving this equal parts press for both of those things the tour and the the new album and it's being met favorably and so i just wonder sometimes why we why we can't allow why we allow certain folks to be able to exist in both of those spaces where it's like you can have reunions and you can have a continuation of something without the original thing but we don't as as a music sort of like uh, fandom and all these other kinds of things, why we can't sometimes allow that to happen in the case for, for other artists. So, um, well, let me just say, I think maybe the point is for, to that is that Michael had a successful solo career. And so he's uh, fulfilled and maybe with Don, she's still trying to prove that point and there's people still prodding her along. So until she gets that, she's not, it, it may may feel beneath her to rejoin like she didn't do what she wanted to do solo and it'll just look like I did all that for nothing maybe but that's all I have to say about that but I, I don't want you back Don sorry this is a great sort of like final question for, for folks if you could ask her one question what would it be I would just probably ask her about all of the unrecorded songs she did like who you know just go over like who did you work with um are you ever going to release those songs i i remember talking about the song called planet you and she made it seem like it was a great song but she said she wouldn't release it because it was so good so i i don't get her but i would like to hear that so just maybe ask her can i hear some of the unreleased stuff i guess i would ask her where does she see herself as an artist in today's climate like where does she where does she fit? Because I don't I don't necessarily know what her sound is. Oh, that's true. I don't know who she I don't know who she is as an artist herself. 
because um, there's been so many so many attempts, but nothing has actually lasted. So I guess I would say, who who is Dawn as an artist? You know, where do you see yourself in 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 this? What lane do you see yourself in entertainment today? That's what I would ask. Mm, I like that. I would ask her if she has any regrets, like if, if there's anything in her career, knowing what she knows today, like what, if anything, would she do differently? But it was everybody else. Everybody else did it. She didn't do anything. It was everything. That's what she's going to tell you. It was everybody else's fault. And I would also ask her, oh, why she keep blocking me? <laughs> and I would, I would ask her what her favorite song is off Electric Cafe. I'm sure it's Blue Skies. <laughs> I actually my first, my original thought was the same question around regrets though like honestly I am curious like all of the shit she's been through all the stuff that she's been through I am curious if she would have played anything differently well that being said we're gonna wrap up this episode it has been a very a very 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 entertaining one at that uh, I want to thank everybody for we want to thank everybody that is listening um, and again, we want to say you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music Podcasts, and YouTube. For more InVogue-related content, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at InVogue Craze. Any comments or questions, please send them to InVogueCraze at gmail.com. Thanks, Matan. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Joshua. And thank myself, you know, for pushing, uh, for being here. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, and you can find find us. Um, you will find me on Instagram and Twitter. My name is at it's champ Johnson. Instagram, um, Twitter. Everybody loves JP. That's E V E R Y B T Y loves JP. Um, you can find me um, on Instagram and Twitter at Josh Jinx, J-O-S-H-J-E-N-K-S, and at JoshuaHenryJenkins.com. And you can find me on YouTube at Your Little Dog 2. That's U-R-L-I-L-D-A-W-G 2, the number on YouTube. With that being said, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. This episode of Part of Us at Invoke Fancast was researched, written, produced, and edited by Matthew at Culture Inject Productions. The intro and outro music was produced by Wolves and Vincent Tone. We're more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on Invoke and chat with other fans by visiting Invoke Craze on Facebook. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Invoke Craze and Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. Part of us and Invoke Fancast is not endorsed by Invoke, E1 Music, or Invoke Records and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Invoke and its names, images, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders. Child, we went two and two hours and fifteen minutes. Start to hate us. I mean, look, Matthew was real thorough with these with this outline. I'm saying he was thorough. <laughs> and there was so much that we couldn't touch on. 
yeah, it was it wasn't until we really started digging in that I I realized how much we how much wasn't in the outline. Like the fact that R and B Divas wasn't in there, that that like that could have been a whole hour. It really, it really <laughs> could have. It really could have. 